Hello and welcome to another episode of Citing the Tone, an AR retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hey! And Daniel. Uh, what does Lauren usually say? <laughs> Fuck, I forget. <laughs> she threw me off. Uh, ahoy hoy, that's be, what Lauren usually says. I was gonna say, says. there we go. That's one of them. <laughs> That was good. Me and these idiots will be discussing season three, episode no, nope. season nope. five, episode three. <laughs> Fuck you all. <laughs> Fuck you all. Uh. Today we'll be discussing season five, episode three, which is how they treat horses, don't they? The episode aired on October eighth, nineteen ninety eight. Lauren, what was going on that week twenty three years ago? Well, going on this week today, I am an agent of chaos. Going on twenty three years ago, right? Twenty three years ago, that's what you just said. With a vote of two hundred and fifty six to one seventy six, the U.S. House of Representatives votes to formally begin the impeachment process against President Bill Clinton for lying to a grand jury about his affair with Monica Lewinsky. Remember when we had a different standard in this nation? Because I do. Um, uh, Bold of you to assume we ever had a different standard, because this is a Republican-controlled... Uh, from the Corrections Department, Ants did not actually debut last week. It debuted this week, taking the box office crown. Ew. Last week's number one movie was Rush Hour for the second time. Lizzie has been fired for the error. Bye, guys. It's been nice knowing you. It's been five wonderful... No, four wonderful seasons. And a couple uh, episodes. Yeah, and a couple episodes. So, just like Maggie Doyle, I will be uh, bowing out gracefully. <laughs> Uh, and the first just like night ER, by it Monica. only took four seasons for us to get rid of our first gay character uh. oh <laughs> <laughs> in case you can't tell everybody uh, Lizzie hit her head earlier today it's storming real bad here in Chicago this is gonna be a weird one gang and it's I've, only appropriate been, for this uh, episode I've been doing, doing intensive training for the new employee in our office so I'm dead Let's do this. And The First Night by Monica is your number one song for this week. What the hell else is on, Daniel? All right. What else is on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The 100th. Uh, As you'll recall, Friends and ER started pretty close together, so they're hitting their 100th episode around the same time. Uh, It'll be spoilers another six weeks before both ER and us hit our 100th regular episode. So... Help us come up with something to uh, celebrate that milestone. Uh, join the Facebook group. Uh, vote in that thread that we haven't going in there. I would love. I'm like I have no ideas for what to do. So please uh, join us uh, at 8:30 p.m. The Jesse with the episode "Bees Do It, Birds Do It, But Not in a Car." Ugh. Right? Have you ever been intrigued by something, but like also don't want to know anything at all like that's kind of where i'm at with jesse like i'm kind of like that's you almost had me but i also don't want to know i thought uh, you were about to ask if either of us have ever had sex in a car and i was like whoa that's a little that's for the lounge that, that's <laughs> nope that's not even for the lounge yeah, that's <laughs> very different that's very different uh, anyway at 9 p.m F- frazier with the episode dial m for martin and at 9 30 veronica's closet veronica's great model search this week's episode had a a little bit of a milestone this week. 29.3 million viewers tuning in. Uh, this breaks a streak of 19 straight episodes above 30 million. Uh, this is only the third time since season one, episode 12, when they broke 30 million for the first time, that they have dipped below that mark. And it will be a full eight weeks before they get back over 30 million. So we're in a little bit of a lull here. Uh, <laughs> a relative lull, I should say. You know, 29 million is nothing to sneeze at, but... 
uh, relative lull compared to where we've been before. So this week's episode is directed by Babu Subramaniam doing his second out of three episodes that he would direct. A previous one of his from last season was Gut Reaction. And this week's episode is written by Waylon Green doing his fourth out of five. Uh, previous ones of his from last season we did were Suffer the Little Children, Exodus, and Friendly Fire. Interesting that the guy who wrote Exodus also wrote this episode. Like, mm-hmm. what a... What a <laughs> shift. We can what? make Carter into a badass, and we can also write Jerry being shit on, you know? <laughs> He's got Spoilers. range. He's got range. Um. So first off, I want to thank the few people that I heard from about how much they enjoy our previously ons, especially when Lizzie refers to River Song. For Elizabeth yeah. Corday, so just of I wanted to know you're heard. We appreciate you, but this week's previously on is Doug, and we start off the episode with Carrie running copies in the copier room, and maintenance comes in to paint, and Carrie's all passive aggressive about other areas needing more attention, and the guy's just like, I just go where I'm sent. Like, shut up. I just work here, lady. Yeah, I, I just work here, lady. Very much, very much big, not my problem attitude. He's like, I just, I was just told to come in here. Can you just get out of the way? Um, and then Mark and Rachel are having breakfast and Mark's trying to, you know, kind of bond and talk about what happened and, you know, what's, what's the newest gossip going on with her and her friends. And Rachel's like, oh, you wouldn't know. You don't know them. Like, just very, very awkward, you know, 11 year old, 10 year old. I don't know how old Rachel's supposed to be here. Um, she's a child, (laughs) but then Jennifer calls and Rachel immediately starts gossiping with her in a way she just won't with Mark. And we have a sad zoom in to Mark's face as he realizes he's failing as a father and his life is falling apart. <laughs> that's that's because just how... it, because Rachel's headed towards talking like a valley girl with the way she's talking to Jennifer on the phone. Yeah, and that's that should be a failing of any parent, really. <laughs> no, a, a young girl in the '90s—that's exactly what was expected. Fair. She's she's age appropriate. This is fine. Oh, you would not believe the gossip. <laughs> the yellow sweater. Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's exactly where she should be. No judgments from me. Yeah. But uh, Carrie has a new job title. So let's listen to her uh, and Spa talk about that. Interim. Yes. Well, has there been any change in my responsibilities? No, it's uh, just around the table. We felt that interim was a more accurate term. So uh, you're the interim chief, Carrie. Fine. But you know, Donna, it has been over 90 days since Dr. Morgan Stern resigned. And policy dictates that a permanent chief be named. It's all in the process. We've put out feelers, and thus far we have four outstanding candidates. We're forming a committee right now. So four candidates, including me? Actually, you make it five. Just one more thing. You know, I did... A performance review of Doug Ross. You already gave me an evaluation of the ultra-rapid detox. Yeah, this is an overall evaluation of his work to help in deciding whether he should be made a ERP's attending. I'll pass it along. Thank you. I want someone to make us the Shrek meme, but <laughs> with its words to where it just says, you know, with Carrie talking as Shrek, can you stop trying to screw over Doug Ross for five minutes? <laughs> uh, she really can't. And the answer herself. will be no. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Excuse me. Carrie would be donkey and Shrek would be like the fans. <laughs> <clears throat> or oh. me, you know, whatever. I also think stop trying to make fetch happen would also work for this scenario. Fair. Just It's a mess either way. It's just been a bad run for Carrie lately. Like, 
the 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 carry haters are really being proven uh unfortunately right over the last stretch of episodes here and it's been uh it has not been fun i have not enjoyed it but yeah from acting chief to interim chief and also ouch the way anspaw's like five candidates <laughs> yeah, including you you, you yeah. make it five it's like i you also have to realize with carrie like she wasn't she chief resident at the beginning of mm, season two yes so she's only been like an attending for like a year right yeah so in i imagine there's other people with like at least five to ten years more experience than her of among the candidates that they've found yeah so she's kind of the un, she's kind she, of the underdog here and i think it's you know it's good it's one thing it's good to have confidence in yourself but mm-hmm. i think she's kind of overthought herself overthought I, herself into maybe believing her own hype a little bit too much oh for sure yeah and i, I but i do sort of sympathize with her in a way because i've definitely been in a situation where yes you may not be the most qualified person on paper but because you have been so kind of ingrained in the ecosystem of a place and and know all the ins and outs and know how everything's done you can obviously see a situation where they could bring somebody else in who is more qualified on paper that's going to have to rely on her to basically learn how to do the job and that that's that's a situation i empathize with quite a bit no yeah and i fully and i fully understand that it's just i'm just thinking like in the general broad strokes of she's a baby yeah yeah she's she's very young compared to a lot of other i'm sure prospective candidates for such a position no doubt but carter despite getting a salary is still uh or is that does he get a salary this episode or was that last episode he yeah it, it was, as of last episode it's been approved i guess so he's starting to okay. get one now well, he's still poor, lest we forget. So he's still doing the dorm thing. Uh, and he's in the dorm bathrooms getting ready, uh, ready, and residents are complaining about neighbor noise and yada, yada, yada. Bullshit. People, you're all adults. Solve your own damn problems. <laughs> it's basically Carter's attitude towards the whole thing. And one of the toilets clogs and starts to back, back up, and Carter goes to fix it, and everyone else tries to go help and fix it. Like, and Carter's toothbrush gets knocked down the toilet. Oh, darn. Oh, yikes. And that leads us to? Leads us in with bangs. Three for three so far this season. Uh, we come out of the intro. We see Carter looking for Lucy at the desk. Uh, Carrie hands him off a little old lady chart. Uh, and then we see her talking with Mark about her title change and obsessing about what the word interim means to him, which he's like, I don't know, in between or like he, he's not really very helpful with her predicament there. He... Uh, she also finds out that he is going to be on the board to help review candidates for the position, which you can tell makes her super uncomfortable. Uh, I think mostly because of his, the, how they've gone. Cause like, I don't know. I, I don't know where she thinks his allegiances would lie in a situation like that. Like she, she claims that it's like, Oh, I don't, I wouldn't want there to be any like conflict of interest or impropriety or whatever, but like I do think he probably would be something of an asset to her in that type of situation. So yeah, she she seems almost nervous that he would go against her with how she's tiptoeing it. Yeah, very very. Or weird. maybe because she's been stabbing Doug in the back so many times lately that, or I, at least attempting to. That 
that maybe she thinks because her and Doug are friends that Mark might hold that against her. Yeah. I would I would say more that she has had a clear agenda with Doug. Okay, that's fair. I don't that's, know. I don't that's know a more fair can, characterization. I don't know if you can stab somebody in the back when you're clearly fighting at them the whole time. <laughs> it's fair. not like she was it's not like she was doing him dirty. But they she's, they she, know she their tried foils. to do him dirty today, at least. Okay, but I'm just saying like they know they don't like each other. Yeah. That w- it would be far different than Mark going against him for something. So, but yes, I agree that, you know, she doesn't know quite where Mark's allegiances lie with how much she's been going after his best friend. Yeah. If he'll have her back for the position for sure. Can we just have gay mom carry? Yeah. <laughs> We're getting there. Just fast forward. Please. Fast forward to that. No, because then it gets sad. Uh, oh, yeah. And then that <laughs> leads to my least favorite storyline in the entire, uh, uh, in the entire, in the entire show. Yeah. My least favorite major storyline. Fortunately, we got plenty of time before we get there. We get we enjoy bitchy Carrie while we have her. Uh, so uh, no, then, I don't want to. Well, I mean, it's, I, it, you I, got to you pick your poison. Me. Pick your poison. You know, it's like, would you rather have happy Carrie that has bad things happen to her, or bitchy Carrie that gets everything she wants? Like, uh, I, I live, know. I live for bitchy Carrie. Give me bitchy Carrie every day. I don't know, uh, but for now we see uh, Doug uh, pulling Mark aside. He wants to go to lunch at Rosebud. Is that a Chicago landmark that I should know about? I don't know if it's necessarily a landmark, but it is a known restaurant here. Chicago Institution. I feel like uh, I've been there once sure. with mom. I don't know. I defer to you guys on this stuff. So, I um, I I am unfamiliar with the high end cuisine scene too much in. Chicago being a poor myself understood uh well Doug wants to go to lunch at Rosebud to talk with Mark about something Mm, cryptic we will find out details to come on that uh but we then go over and we see a new nurse practitioner Lynette talking to hey surprise return Jeannie Boulay back from back from the Laurentian wilderness which country is that? <laughs> like, I'm, a, I'm gonna yes. do. A, I'm gonna do a Google while right? we're talking. What is Laurentia? Is that? Uh, is that like Wakanda? It's got my name in it. <laughs> yeah, is it where the vibranium comes from? That's what I'm saying. Like, she, she was in Wakanda for the last two weeks. That would be a better story. Uh, but she was at a music camp, and uh, she's gonna be helping out with the clinic until she's on later today at noon. She takes on her first patient of the episode, a uh, seven-year-old who's vomiting and puked up roundworms gross looks like canada right says the laurentian mixed forest province also known as the north woods is a forested eco region in north america in eastern north america like oh new hampshire looks like it incorporates your neck of the woods minnesota oh well (laughs) shows how much i know it consists of a broad region of northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, northern Michigan, and the Upper Peninsula, and the forested areas of North Country, New York, and New England. In Canada, it's found in Ontario and the Great Lakes and the St. Lawrence River through Quebec to Quebec City. So I'm guessing she was probably in, like, Wisconsin or Michigan. Today I learned. I didn't freaking know. It's a know. very fancy way to say that, though. <laughs> right? I know. Just say you're but in I Wisconsin, say, Jeannie. Like, Damn it. We can- we vacation in the Laurentian yes. wilderness. Yes, we yeah. vacation in the Laurentian wilderness. You should start well, using do. that that's, now. That's, Sounds that's more exotic. That's literally where that's literally where the cabin we vacation is is in that <laughs> geographic area. So I'm going to demand like that you I'm going to demand that you start using that now. Like telling people that you vacation in the Laurentian wilderness instead of All for upper, you, baby. the Uper. I don't go to the UP, thank you very much. We don't talk about the UP here. 
whatever. The UP is the middle of no. I, the the UP is far too far away for me to go. And full of Packers fans, I'm sure. So fuck them. That's also probably true. Rude. I've been to the UP maybe twice. Every day, Lizzie there's an entire like half of. Violence. There's an yeah. entire huge half of my state that I've just like never been to. Yeah, Daniel, the season's gonna be starting in a couple oh, weeks God. here, so you know we got I got got to get warmed up. Just make sure you y'all stretch. can have a lounge episode just shit talking. Uh, remember, kids, fuck the Packers. But Jeannie's back. What happens next? So hard pivot into fancy talk for the outside, and let's go into uh, Benton getting his uh, second opinion on the. Uh, Rehearing issue. My findings are nearly identical to those of the audiologist, with the results of both tests being so close. I'd say this is very reliable data. You know, I've been doing a lot of research on the cochlear implants, how they've restored hearing to people that are totally deaf. Yes, but implant surgery requires destruction of residual hearing. Okay, but what difference does it make if the surgery is going to allow him to hear? Given the FDA criteria, he's not a candidate at this time. Your son can be helped by less invasive methods. Hearing aids. The new digital hearing aid. Coupled with intensive speech therapy. What about uh, uh, sign language? Why limit him to signing when we can't teach him to hear and speak? Okay. So, what do we do to uh, get this digital hearing aid? Not great. Not great, fam. Correct me if I'm wrong, but does does he not does he not end up with the cochlear implants anyway? Um, he might pretty far down the line. Yeah, he might. Um, yeah. which it's still, uh, yeah, it's, it's strange to me to, to hear that as such a like, Ooh, scary new, you know, thing. Like it's very, you know, it seems to me like that's a much more like commonplace treatment mm-hmm. for hearing loss now. Or at least you hear about it more. Yeah. yeah. Versus traditional hearing aids these days. But then again, it's not a community I'm a part of nor familiar with. So I see it all over TikTok. Because yeah. I'm on TikTok now. Kill me. Um, I'm on Twitter, so, you know, I'm not doing much better <laughs> than you, kiddo. It's Daniel's fault. Daniel got me on the TikTok. I did? What? How? You, I'm you not on TikTok. Me, you sent me, like, you would send me Instagram videos yeah, that were I, from I, TikTok. I get, the, I get the Instagram filtered version of TikTok. That's what I get. And it just, it got me curious enough that I started digging. <laughs> it's all my fault. But also, Benton, what is that suit? It's the 90s, babe. It's a look. It's a look. Um, but then we go over to Doug is talking to Carol about going to lunch with her and Mark and wanting to go to fancy lunch. And Carol asks if he has a minute to go check out John Esmond, Worms Boy, and see what's going on. And Carter has found papers in the copy machine, at, and he goes over to the admit desk and says, like, hey, these were in the copier. Whose are these? And... Jerry says, oh, just throw them in Doug's box. They've got Doug's name on them. They're not mine. And it's probably Carrie's evaluation that she was copying earlier. This can only end well. Oopsie doodle. Whoopsies. Sweet baby Jerry always contributing to chaos. Ah, it's friend of the show, Abraham Ben Ruby. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I would like everyone to know that this is the first episode in a post-Jerry interview world. And if you thought we gushed about him before, it's going to get even worse now, fam. So enjoy it. (laughs) Strap in. Because sometimes you should meet your heroes. That man is a delight. <laughs> I'm so excited for you guys to hear it in like three months. November. November, right? Yes, November. And it, it well, we'll get into it later. But yes, November is yeah. when they'll be hearing it. Yeah. Um, but after that, uh, Carter 
is hanging out by admin on a gurney and when Roxanne shows up uh, and asks him to take a look at her toe I'm, sh- I'm sure because Lucy did a poor tape job I'm assuming <laughs> I mean when like when you saw it when she was doing it it did look I mean yeah she was struggling pretty bad but I would also hope yeah. I would also hope too that I mean I don't know I, I, I don't I've never broken my toe before so I don't know how long and how like frequently you're supposed to like I don't know it just this this is a very contrived little visit here by Roxanne anyway like it's yeah. clearly not about her toe yeah uh, because she's selling mutual funds now that's really the reason why she's here and then Carter starts drilling her about the financials the all using all the lingo and stuff and she's shocked that oh, a poor person knows about that <laughs> He's an what she oh. thinks is a poor person Da-na-na. Da-na-na. So then we we go up to the... It's a very normal one tonight, folks. (laughs) We go up to the OR. We see Lizzie and Benton scrubbing in together on her last day as a surgical fellow. Uh, They're scrubbing in for a gastroplasty on a 400-pound gentleman. Uh, Benton, this is kind of the theme of the episode for Benton, like being very quiet, very sad boy um, because of the situation with Reese. And he is... uh, a straight male who cannot express his emotions with anything other than silence or rage. Uh, so he very sternly is like, I can't imagine going back to being an intern. And then just kind of lets that hang in the air there. And before they can really get into it, uh, Anspa butts in to uh, declare that the patient expired before they could start the surgery. Womp womp. Not great. Not great. Benton, my dude, it's okay. You can talk about stuff. You don't have to keep it Especially all to the woman you're sleeping with. Right? Like, they've been doing this long enough now. It's like, you know. You... There's there's a line later that, that gives me rage that I will get into. Right. And I know that it's just Benton being Benton, but ugh. Well, for now, we go back down to the ER where we have our next trauma coming in. A uh, patient name is Rodney McMullen, 48 years old, carving knife V forehead. And he is drunk and combative. Uh, yeah spewing just a bunch of racist shit i'm not going to repeat any of it here uh lucy uh once they get him into the trauma room lucy is asked to restrain his arm and tries to ask carol how to do it in the moment which carol kind of hurriedly gives her the instructions on how to do it but obviously it's lucy and she's she's struggling a little bit uh the blade went down through his forehead into the roof of his mouth which Uh, Lucy, unfortunately, tied him to the rail of the gurney, not the frame, so he pretty easily escapes, uh, and Carol barks at Lucy, you don't listen. So the the Carol uh, Carol v. Lucy situation has escalated a little bit. I was actually very proud of myself with this one, that I got a little bit of an oh, hey, it's that guy out of this, despite the fact that we never really see his entire face, because he's got the the knife, obviously, in his forehead. They've got like a lot of prosthetic work. To, to build that up uh, and it, there's lots of bandages and stuff but I looked and I was like I, I've seen that guy before and I was very happy to go and discover he's played by actor Jack McGee who appeared in uh, movies like Gangster Squad, Basic Instinct and what I recognized him from uh, the Christian Bale, Mark Wahlberg movie The Fighter where he plays the sweaty stepdad and that's all nice. I got for him. Okay. Uh, and then Doug is checking on a girl with an injured leg on you may recognize her from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because who plays her? <laughs> uh, Ashley Johnson, who appeared in, uh, as Lizzie points out in the notes here, Avengers and Dollhouse. Avengers, I'm, of course, familiar with. Dollhouse, less so. Uh, but Dollhouse was a um, 
another Joss Whedon, I think, Fox project that was yeah. on for two seasons. Gotcha. And I watched it. I'm one of, like, five people who did. I really liked it. I'm yeah. one of, like, three people who did. But she she makes an appearance in that, too. Yeah. She makes a very, very blink and you miss it. But also kind of, like, uh, notable appearance in the Avengers. Like, she's, like, the most notable mm-hmm. bystander yeah. in the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because Joss Whedon has this thing where he has to focus on one... Usually it's a white woman. Usually, <laughs> he has to focus on one, like, family or person or something like as like the human factor yeah yeah we're not we're not gonna talk about joss Whedon. yeah no. probably the less said the better uh she also did voice work in the last of us where she was the voice of mm-hmm. ellie uh and uh oh, at the yeah. at the time of this uh episode uh in 1998 she was probably most famous for playing little chrissy siever on growing pains she was the smallest of the uh three siever children so that was probably her most famous role at this point. No, but yeah, but in Avengers at the end, at the end, she's like the waitress mm-hmm. that says is like everyone shit talking the Avengers, and she's like, "No, Captain America saved my life." Okay. Yeah, um, but she has a severe break, but it doesn't look like. She, but she doesn't say that she collided with anyone. She was playing soccer at the time, and Genie says the bone looks like it exploded from the inside. Eh. Always what I'm you sure want to hear. Fine. I'm sure that's fine. Um, then we have Randy at the admit desk letting Benton know he has a call from the insurance company. And it turns out no health insurance covers hearing aids. Hmm. Hmm. Not great. And Doug gets his evaluation from his box. Hmm. Hmm. That can't be good. And then we have, we find out Mark is getting called in to go for a triage or sorry, Mark is getting called in to go act as triage officer for a hostage situation with the paramedics. It's fun times. Yep. Um, Malika's uh, in the trauma room ca- uh, counting Rodney's cash, just taking stock of his personal inventory. Um, and Lucy asks which is the better vein, and Malik gives her guidance. And, you know, it's generally very, it's generally very nice with yeah, Lucy. It's a very I, nice teaching moment. I really like this. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And what does Malik pull out that says this man ain't got no class? I believe it's a pinky ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just looking at pinky rings and, like, the jewelry and stuff. And, like, he's counting his cash and everything. And it's yeah. just like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. And Lucy tries to get the IV, but she went all through all the way through the vein, unfortunately, because they, she, because the stuff isn't, the stuff isn't flowing, I think, is how it, yeah. how it, she figures it out. Um, then Malik walks her through through it visually and Carter tells her to use the nurses yeah good lesson use the nurses I love how he's like you can't see it you can't feel it you just gotta be it <laughs> he's so but full of shit it's a very good it's such a good Deezer D moment yeah. though it's a very Malik thing yeah. very Malik yeah so then we, we see Mark has gone to the hostage situation. Uh, we get our first of two bomb squad guys, uh, one more recognizable than the other. The first one here is the less recognizable of the two, but uh, David Warshawski, which is just a fun name to say, uh, is the first guy. He appeared in stuff like Running Scared and Now You See Me's 1 and 2, which today I learned there was a Now You See Me 2. I remember seeing Now You See Me 1 in the theaters, but I've never seen the second one. Now you've done it. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> That's actually surprisingly less than I thought you'd say about Now You See Me. No, I, I, I enjoy them. They're fun. Yeah. They're good. They're good background. Just 
Like I said, I remember seeing the first one, and I don't like I don't really remember much of it, but I remember it was fine. That's fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, they're they're fine. I enjoy them as just popcorn flicks sure. every once in a while. I'll just put them on. It's never one I would ask Lizzie to watch with me because she'd be like, "No, let's put something better on." But like when I have the house to myself, sometimes I'm like, "Yeah, I'll watch. I'll watch Magicians." That's- they're the kind of movie that if it came on on TNT, you not wouldn't necessarily turn it off. Sure, but you wouldn't necessarily pay too much attention to it either. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't seek it out unless you're me. <laughs> right all right so uh the guy is covered in dynamite with chicken wire all over his body as you do typical thursday uh the guy treating him in the bomb suit is hank from breaking bad dean norris another breaking bad connection uh he also appeared in movies like total recall and terminator 2 judgment day uh, and they ask Mark to go in to assist rather than Zadro because Mark's the doctor. So even if Zadro goes in there, he's going to bring him to Mark anyway. So cut out the middleman. Let's get Mark in a bomb suit. Let's get weird with it. Yeah, it's fine. I was really excited to see Hank. Um, 77-year-old female is found was found in her apartment unconscious and is brought in. Her name is Emily Holmes. And Doris has tape over her eyebrow, which is great continuity from the last episode where Mark stitched her up. Uh, the, her neighbors, or Emily's neighbor says she had three days of newspapers on her doormat, and that's how she knew something wasn't right. And I got a note, whose films are those? And Carter asks Lucy why the woman may have collapsed. So using it as a good teaching case. So on the whose films are those tip, uh, I watched yes. I watched this episode with Nurse Jen. And so we got a little bit of extra analysis on the whose films are those. Uh, first thing she wanted me to point out to you, Lauren, was that uh, not only is it, you know, likely or obvious, it's not only is it obvious that the films that are on the board are not of the person who was just rolled in because they were just rolled in. But the fo- the films that are on the board are not even of the same person from one side to the other. Like she was looking How at it. How does she know that? Because she's looked at zillions of x-rays over the year but she she was like i'm pretty sure she was like i'm pretty sure the ones on the left and i'm probably getting the order of this wrong but the 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 gist of it was like she's like i'm pretty sure the ones on the left are of a woman and the ones on the right are of a a male and and you know just and she was like she was like also they're really shitty quality x-rays like she was like they're really poorly done x-rays and the i believe the ones on the right were of the neck and she was like whoever's x-rays those are that's a fucked up neck <laughs> so, <laughs> so she had plenty of information for the uh the films in this segment so i told her that I you would appreciate nurse that. jen i did the picture you sent us was great too so patreon of you and nurse jen of lauren and nurse jen uh analyzing different whose films are those We've, we have been be- threatening that for months so <laughs> ever i would be useless i would just sit here and go uh-huh neat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me more, cause like I don't, I don't know. I will gladly listen to Nurse Jen talk about films for an hour, though. There you go, by myself. But it's your shtick, so I know. So we go from there. We see Doug talking to the parents about the biopsy for the broken leg, uh, and uh, turns out, oopsies, a little bit of a Doug Ross, oopsies. They did it without the consent of the parents. Oopsie doodle. Pattern. Developing. And we were all surprised, right? Uh, but the biopsy does show that there may be a sarcoma or other cancerous cells. And uh, Jeannie has Doug's back here. I like I like how we're already like pairing up Doug and Jeannie here. Like we're we're working our way towards the very end of Doug's story and starts a little bit here with forming that bond between Doug and Jeannie. 
the parents here, Mr. and Mrs. Ellis. Mr. Ellis is played by actor Tommy Hinckley, who appeared uh, with Clooney in the movie Leatherheads, as well as the TV series Mad About You. And Mrs. Uh, Ellis, played by actress Anne Gillespie, who appeared in Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Beverly Hills 90210, both the original and the reboot from uh, a couple years ago. And uh, Mark and we're just going to call him Hank. Yeah. Because do we ever actually get his name? If we do, it's in passing it's Hank. briefly. It's Hank, yeah. uh, so, uh, about 50 pounds lighter and a little bit more hair. Yeah. So Mark and Hank are working on the bomber, and the guy and the guy's uh, guts start to like ooze out a little bit into the chicken wire, and yeah, Hank's is like, "This guts are coming out of this stuff," and they're gonna wrap him in a ballistic blanket and take him to the ER because they think like because Hank thinks that the uh, the detonator isn't actually explosive. Like now that they've removed the dynamite, doesn't think it's actually a danger. We'll see how that pans out. Yeah, yeah. no big deal. <sighs> this is the part of the episode. This is the only part of the episode where I sort of kind of agree with Jake when we get to the spoilers for the the listener response section. This is the only I'm part. I'm so I it, I am so excited to read his listener response cuz I haven't spoiled it for myself yet and I'm so ready. It's just it's a little silly. Like this this whole thing okay. with the bomb is just a little silly, but that's just me. Um but we go from there we see Benton talking to Carla about the hearing aids. First time we've seen Carla in a little bit. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't mm-hmm. feel like we've seen her in a while. First time of the season, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we actually get, can I get some fanfare? We actually get actual baby Reese here for the first Yay. time. Uh, he's not credited in this episode. I was surprised to see that. He is not credited in this episode. I believe his first credit comes either next episode or the one after. Um, but this is definitely him, uh, played by actor Matthew Watkins, uh, an actual deaf actor. Um, he did this, uh, he did ER and he did one other, uh, small part in something else. And other than that, he has not done any other acting. Um, but he will make 26 credited appearances in, in this bonus one here through 2009. And just today I was trying to look up info on him to see if there was anything else that he'd done. Um, I did find an updated picture of him. He looks, he's a strapping young man. Looks very, looks very nice. And is, uh, he actually graduated college last year, class of 2020. I believe electrical engineering. So good for him. Yeah. He wrote in his little, I don't know what this site is called, but it's like the, it's, it's seems like a social network thing for like college graduate type, uh, networking. And, uh, he wrote in his little bio thing that he wants to be the deaf Tony Stark, which I thought was cool. Like, Oh yeah. I just thought that was cool. Also Um, looking very dapper in the picture we found of him on Google. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a good looking kid. Uh, so he'll be with us for the duration. He will be here through the series finale in 2009. Uh, but Reese needs speech therapy and treatment twice a week. And Benton kind of has to come hat in hand asking Carla if she can che- chip in with the hearing aid costs since the insurance is not going to cover it. And he uh, doesn't have the money to pay it up front. Uh, Lizzie happens to come into the I believe they're sort of in the it's not like the cafeteria we've seen in the past, but it's like a smaller cafeteria. Um, she kind of comes in in the background and sees the two of them touching hands and gets a little bit kind of sketched out and just kind of slowly, slowly backs out of the room. This That frustrates me to no end. Which part? Well, it's just not... I mean, I get it, Lizzie. He's been distant, and then to all of a sudden see him with his ex mm-hmm. and baby, I can get how she's a little miffed. But I'm also just like, 
Lizzie, you know better. Yeah, she does kind of. She she does jump to conclusions. She doesn't, but she does. So I'm just like, oh come on, Lizzie, you're better than this. Um, but then an HMO rep is here to check on Emily Holmes, the little old lady from earlier. It turns out that Emily was a DNR. Oopsies. And they intubated her. Not great. So the, this rep says, I can't justify an expenditure of $5,000 a day on a patient that should not and did not want to be alive. So the hospital cannot admit her with the HMO's authorization. Isn't this like... She's pretty much like... Isn't this like the third or like fourth Car- time he's done this? Yeah. She's like, Carter, it's your problem. Figure it out. We can't take her. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Good luck. Keeps on resuscitating DNRs. What are you doing, Carter? Uh, and our HMO lady here is played by actress Lynn Wanlas, uh, who appeared in current Lauren Obsession, Murder, She Wrote, as well as the TV series Big Love and The Drew Carey Show. We need to keep a running total, listeners, of all the obsessions that I'm currently watching <laughs> and see how many shows I've started but not finished during the run of STT. Because <laughs> right now, this season alone, it's been CSI, yep. Law, Law and Order, Order SVU, yep. and Murder, She Wrote. And Frasier. There's a theme, at least. And Frasier. And Frasier. Frasier was season four, but also, yes. Um, it's, yeah, I've dropped all of them almost immediately. <laughs> so, I'm not like Lizzie. I can't power through 17 seasons of something. I need constant It was variety. only 15 seasons, I'm thank sorry. you very much. And I'm taking seasons. my time with Law & Order now. I'm very proud of you. You've showed a lot of restraint. But yeah, I, I'm like, I'm going on a rotation through those five shows right now. Just like Jake hates that I can read three books at once. Well, not literally at the same time, but... I have three books on my nightstand at any given time, usually. No, you're totally right. No, it was actually 17 seasons. I forget how long yeah. Grey's Anatomy is. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that show's long. I blacked out two whole seasons. So it was 17 seasons because ER is only 15. There's a couple seasons in there where you may as well black them out because of how ridiculous stuff gets. But it's it's come back, it's come back around a little bit. Also, Murder, She Wrote is delightful. Oh, yeah. I'm here for it. We stand Angela Lansbury we in this st- house. We stand Mrs. Potts in this house. Uh, the bomb squad patient is coming in. Benton, Mark, Yosh, and Benton, Mark, and Yosh are all working on him. The detonator is likely the black box that's on him. Um, and some alcohol, some, some like, uh, disinfect. What are they trying to do here? I they're forget. trying to, I think they're trying to clean the wound. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Leaking. Yeah. So they're trying to do that. And then the alcohol shorts out the black box and starts beeping and Benton disconnects it really, really quickly and throws it in the corner and right into the film's display, and it explodes. Yeah. So no more whose films are those for that for this episode. It's... I was trying to think of a good pun, and I couldn't come up with one. It's pretty dumb. Whose bombs are those? No. It's, it's, it's pretty dumb. Like, this is definitely yeah. a, a pretty silly moment here that... I would also like to point out that they describe, they describe the man's bowels as, quote, eviscerated which yikes not great bob all right and after that after that all that excitement uh let's you know they nothing is this the last that we see of that patient pretty much yeah i think so yeah so you know after a bomb explodes in the er you think there'd be more hubbub but no let's go right into our next audio clip where it's uh doug having his little fancy fancy party for him and uh him mark and carol here you go so this is shrimp, and what's the red shredded? Uh, that's Maui onions. No uh, pepperoni, cheese, tomatoes. Gourmet pizza. The Mad Bomber spoiled my gourmet lunch, so so 
The, uh, the heroics give you an appetite? Uh, no, the running from the trauma room gave me an appetite. Dad, mm. what is this lunch about? Yeah, what's going on? All right, okay. First, a reading. Uh, performance review, Dr. Douglas Ross by Carrie Weaver, MD. Where did you get that? Oh, it was found in a copying machine. Uh, Dr. Ross repeatedly demonstrates a complete disregard for hospital policies and procedures. For example, in regard to patient discharge limit. It's, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, in spite of mandatory counseling to correct the history of disrupting workplace behavior, Dr. Ross exhibits ongoing problems with impulse control. That's right, Carrie, I'm a psycho. Doug, she could have given that to the PEDS review committee. It's too late, because I brought you here because I wanted you to toast the new PEDS ER attending, me. <laughs> really? Yeah. A buddy of mine is on the committee and told me at 6 a.m. this morning. <laughs> I'm approved. They're telling Anspa right now at a faculty lunch. I am so <laughs> proud of you. I am so thrilled. Aren't you thrilled? He's got his doubts a little bit, right? Hey, whatever my doubts were, in all honesty, I'm very happy for you. Happy for both of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh... Mark, Rachel's here. She wants to see you. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yikes. Lot, lot to unpack there. Had to get, yeah, had to get a little bit. It's better, it's better visually, but I had to get that little bit at the end there of, uh, oh, Car uh, of, oh, Carrie walks in on them. Ugh, yeah. Love it. Yep, I'm a psycho. <laughs> Lots of good Clooney also, chuckles in on, there, too. on spa. On spa. And spa. What camp are we in? On Spa or Anspa? I'm in Camp Osaka. Osaka! Uh, That's a joke. That's how they work. That's how they For four <laughs> listeners who like wrestling. Anspa for, uh, for me. Checking in. Team Anspa. Anspa. I mean, what? I'm a switch hitter with this, but. <laughs> Onspa or Anspa, you know. Way to take the middle fence there. Yeah, I'm Switzerland in this. I could. Whatever. You're I'm neutral. Yeah, I'm neutral. How do we? F we got to stop watching this much wrestling. How do we feel about uh, shrimp and Maui onion as a pizza flavor? I'd eat it. I think I would try it, but I think it would have hellacious burps. Like I think it would. It'd yeah. be the kind of pizza I, you'd regret hours later. I am a human garbage disposal. <laughs> I will try anything. I would say I would try it once if I wasn't paying for it because that sounds really expensive. Yeah. So, but other than that, I I wouldn't order it normally. No. I want tavern-style thin crust. Add it to the list. We have the technology. I was going to say, next week, we already have the, our next, like, eight dinners planned out. Thanks to the, our fellow co-host coming into hey, town. Hey, stay tuned for next episode. Uh, so we go from there uh, out to the ambulance bay, <laughs> where we go full shit post with this episode. Uh, Rachel has arrived. Literally. Rachel has arrived and has brought a horse with an likely impacted bowel and the handler for the horse uh, the man in the cowboy hat says that the nearest large animal that's how you know he's the horse expert because he's wearing a cowboy hat uh, it says that the nearest large animal vet is out in Buffalo Grove a full two hours away Chicago department can we confirm or deny uh, I actually did look this up and depending on how severe the traffic is it is feasible for it to be take two hours to get from presumably you know general area the near west side or some somewhere in the general loop area to buffalo grove if traffic is horrible mm. that's a big that's kind of a big stretch though because normally it only takes about an hour yeah 
hour 15 yeah. so it's got to be bad traffic yeah. But this is all, uh, you know, burying the lead here on why is Rachel with this horseman? Uh, last we heard, Rachel was going to soccer camp and she somehow got detoured into accompanying a horseman. Uh, I don't know that it's ever fully explained how these two. It, I don't made think it contact. is. Or we all missed it. It's very weird. Yeah, it's the 90s, man. People do weird things. There's the whole thing about like, he could die in the trailer. Yeah, like it was. So this is another, you know, in addition to being a very fine nurse, uh, Nurse Jen is also a certified horse girl. And uh, this was also this was also kind of a, 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 a interesting one for her to watch uh, to watch with her because she had lots of thoughts about the horse, the care for the horse. She was not a fan of man in the cowboy hat. She thought he sucked, uh, was a terrible actor, according to her. Um but there was lots about the care of the horse that she thought was not up to snuff. So we'll, we'll get into that as we go along, but yeah, Rachel has been uh, co-opted into a horse cult. Not sure how we got here, but here we are. Uh, We then go from there. We see Roxanne talking to Jerry now about mutual funds. uh, And she immediately dumps him though, to go uh, ask Carter if he would like to work out with her at her fitness club, which he polite, he politely takes a rain check on. Poor choice. I'd hang out with Jerry. He, he's more fun. We'll, we'll tell you that right now. Uh, then Carrie is working on a gentleman who's having trouble breathing, and she's going to sedate and intubate him. But she's having trouble intubating him. She needs a different sized blade for the intubation, and Mark goes to help her out, and it turns out that he has status asthmatis, which is kind of like status epilepticus. I thought it was status asthmaticus. I believe so, yes. I might have written it wrong. So status asthmaticus, like status epilepticus, means what I presume is a continued asthma attack. Because status epilepticus means continued seizures. Um, But Carrie is super embarrassed that Mark was able to get the intubation where she couldn't. Also, I'd like to take a brief moment. Uh, Apologies in advance. There's a line of severe thunderstorms rolling through the Chicago area. Yep, but this is the one that that I talked about before the recording. Um... So if you do hear some background rumblings, we'll try to talk around it or re-record lines. But either way, let's go into our next audio clip. Doesn't matter right now. Um, maintenance uh, tells Carrie that they need her to sign off on a work order for the copy room. Dr. Weaver, yes. they told me that you could sign off on this work order. Did you put the copy machine back? It's not going back in there. They're going to convert that room to a pediatric exam. See, we're taking out a wall. You look real good. Thank you. Dr. Weaver? What do you want, Carter? I wanted to tell you what's going on with that patient in trauma. Yeah, one. why is she still here? We need the bed. I know. I tried to get her admitted to the, to the unit, but it turns out she's a DNR. And her HMO doctor was here, but she won't authorize she admission. She can't stay in the ER. Either get her admitted or get her transferred. Well, she's, she's intubated, so she's not stable for You know transfer. what, Carter? If you want to be a chief resident, you can't continue to run to me when things don't work out. Deal with this yourself. Improve your problem-solving skills. Randy, get me Dr. Anspa. Carrie's team Anspa. <laughs> She's also having a very normal one. Oh, yeah. Aren't we all? Totally fine. I love how her voice breaks as she's doing that. She's just over it. She's she's had she's had her limit today. Yeah. This is the second time in very recent episodes that she's had one of these moments. That's very yeah, true. It's been a rough go of it for Carrie. Damn that Doug Ross and <laughs> Existing. Achieving what he set out to do. Damn him. Stupid sexy. Doug Ross. <laughs> Stupid sexy Clooney. I mean, sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, 
There's a discussion topic for you. Do we think that Carrie's so angry at Doug because she's attracted to him? Nope. Well, future events would I'm gonna cut you off. Right future there. events would would invalidate that possibility. Well, she she could still be bisexual. She she could sure. yeah she could. I don't think that's ever really addressed. I don't think she ever plants a flag one way or the other. Although I think she does uh, declare herself to Romano to be specifically a lesbian, not bisexual. She yes, does. She does. So, yes. She does. But again, it's Clooney. But aside it's from that, Clooney transcends I, sexuality. Mm, like he's no, yeah. <laughs> Lauren. What? You don't find George Clooney attractive? I do, but I don't think Carrie's into him. Oh, I'm not. I'm not oh, saying. Okay. I'm That's not saying different. that she has to be into him. I'm just saying that anybody of any sexual persuasion could find themselves into Clooney for even a maybe a minute, and well, it would be it's well, totally no. acceptable. You, you, somebody said, "Do we think Carrie's mad because she finds George Clooney too sexy?" Somebody that said, was me. So yeah, and I'm that saying, was me. I, and I, I disagree with that vehemently. I do not think she's into okay. him at all. I thought you were saying that George Clooney wasn't attractive oh, yeah. at no, all, he's and I was like, "Girl, no. do you have eyes?" No, he's beautiful. George Clooney's a wonderful human being. Okay. We all know this. Okay. Uh, we can get my sister on to talk in a lounge episode for a half hour about how much she loves George All Clooney. right, moving on to other attractive people. So Corday decides to creep in the men's locker room and uh, talk to Benton. So let's listen in. Hello, Peter. Hey. I suppose we should talk. Elizabeth, this isn't a good time for me. Yeah, I know. I know. It's been um, It's been a rough day. The bomber and, uh... I'd like to get something out in the open. I know it's not been easy being with me, but, uh, if it's not working out and if you and Carla are getting back together, I'd appreciate hearing it from you. What? What do you... Elizabeth, it's got nothing to do with that. Well, you've been avoiding me, so what's happened? I haven't been avoiding you. I've just got some things I need to deal with, okay? What things? What is it? Reese is hearing impaired. How bad? He's profoundly deaf. I'm so sorry. So I didn't tell you about it because it's private. And I haven't been avoiding you, Elizabeth. It's just that, you know what? I don't know how to talk about that. Because I'm a man and don't know how to voice my feelings. <laughs> yeah, when he says it's private, that part to me, I'm like, you guys have been boning for like six months. Right? Like, yeah, it, it seems a little bit silly. But maybe it's because I'm not, maybe it's because I'm not a, fl- a fling person and they haven't formalized this relationship as like a super big yeah. deal. So they're they're both being kind of silly here, I think. Like, you know, he he's, I think, definitely more in the wrong like more silly more uh just kind of unable to process his own emotions but But she's also like really jumping to conclusions here (laughs) i was gonna say she needs to jump to conclusions matt from office space like because you saw the woman he procreated with he touched her hand for like a second while they were discussing their child that all of a sudden means that they're back together and everything's honky-dory now it's like Whoa, my dude, like we've skipped like 10 steps here. Maybe dial it back just a little bit. I don't know. But we go from there. We go back down, uh, check in on the horse situation. Uh, Mark is now uh, enlisted Jerry's help with the horse enema. And uh, Jerry is, they've hooked up a lavage bag to the horse's butt. 
uh, and Jerry is now squeezing the lavage bag and cryptically asks before the scene ends, nothing's going to come shooting out, is it? Oh, you sweet. And Omen, I'm sure. Sweet, sweet summer child, baby Jerry. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. And then we go back. Doug is checking on soccer leg girl. I feel so bad I never got this girl's name in the notes. Um, but she is asking what an oncologist is because she heard one mention leg amputation while talking to her parents outside of the room and wants to know what's going on. And again, a patient insisting that Doug be honest with them instead of sugarcoating everything. This time, Doug tells her, amputation offers her the best chance of survival with the type of tumor that they've found. And Doug is too honest with this patient without her parents. Yeah, a little room. bit, a little bit. I mean, I, th- I think he says a little bit later, I think he says that she's 15. So, like, it, it's it's borderline. And uh, I should point out, too, the soccer girl's name here is uh, Dana. Thank you. And uh, Carter's talking on the phone with Enola. I almost said Enola Holmes. So I was like, wait, isn't that just that's a TV series, isn't it, or something? Or a movie? I don't know. Uh, but Carter's talking on the phone with Emily Holmes' uh, power of attorney. Uh, gives Mark the update on what's going on. He's thinking about extubating her. Mark gives him an honest talk about it. Um, Carter then Carter goes in with Lydia, and he's going to turn off the vent and do an apnea test. And turns out she's breathing on her own, so it's time to extubate her. Well, that worked out. Yep. Could have been a lot. That could have been a lot messier. Yep. Um, and Lydia is just the perfect nurse to have him and in, in to have in with him for this. Just gentle and experienced and very sweet. Yeah. Good good energy in the yeah. room. What's not great energy is we go immediately from that back out to the uh, horse enema situation where uh, there's been no movement yet from uh, the horse's tummy. Uh, The handler asks Jerry to hop in and give him a pat to help get him out of the trailer, which this is one of the things that Nurse Jen uh, objected to where she was like, you don't need to do that. There's no reason why he would need to get into the trailer and get behind the horse. In fact, that would be quite dangerous. So, uh, And Jerry is understandably quite nervous. I mean, horses are... 1500 pound animals that can fucking kill you if they're having a bad day so like i totally get it like totally totally get it the first time one of the first times that i ever went to a horse barn with jen uh it was when we were in alaska and she uh was it there was an outdoor portion of the little corral and they had about a five foot fence around it and she told me to wait out there she was going to go get the horse and bring him out and it was like it was kind of dusky the horse came out through this little like curtain area thing before she did. So it kind of startled me. And she said that she came out through the thing and just saw me leap this five foot fence in like one jump, basically. Like (laughs) she was like, all I saw was just you disappear on the other side of this fence. (laughs) It was a little bit, it was a little nerve wracking. Okay. I have a healthy respect for horses. They don't stop to poop. It's weird. So, uh, but yeah, uh, Jerry, very nervous here. And of course, this ends with the most Jerry of Jerry gags of all time. He gets shit on all over by this horse. You'll love to see it. Sprayed. Yeah, it just gets sprayed. Uh, from literal shit to metaphorical shit, uh, Carrie asks Mark if he has a minute to talk. Hey, Mark. Can, uh, can we talk? Uh, I was just going out to see the horse. Yeah, it's, uh, it's important. What's up, Carrie? Let's go to lunch. Did you know that Doug Russ was made a pizza tending, that they're fixing up a suite of rooms for him? 
Yeah, he told me at lunch. <laughs> really? Oh, huh. Well, uh, I was told by the painters I had to read it on a work form. What, what, what's going on around here? What do you mean? Why was I left out of the loop? Carrie, Ross is the new PZR attending. That's a fact of life. We should learn to accept it and move on, okay? Wait a minute, but how can I move on when you express disfavor about Ross as an attending to my face and, and then celebrate his dubious achievement behind my back? Is this really about Ross? Yes. Yes, it's about Ross. Bottom line, I don't think he's qualified. The hospital doesn't agree. And, you know, I don't think you're angry about Ross. I think this is more about you obsessing over some silly title. I wish you'd make a decision, Carrie. You want to be a doctor or an administrator? I'm gonna go examine a horse. <laughs> I love the way he deadpans that at the end. I'm gonna go examine a horse. I just want to say that anytime I just want to get out of the situation. <laughs> I'm gonna go examine a horse. That's the new lounge sign-off. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Ugh. We have a sign-off on the lounge? We just normally sort of ramble because we that's, have no idea how to close episodes. That's why I'm saying we have a lounge sign-off there now. We go. I'm gonna go examine a horse. We're going to forget it by the time we record the next lounge. But Also, did anyone else find it weird uh, how often they referred to Doug as just Ross? Like, not Doug or mm-hmm. Doug Ross or Dr. Yeah. Ross. They specifically referred to him as just Ross, like, four times. It was very strange. Yeah. His name is Doug. Yeah. Dougie Doug Doug. You can only make that joke for so much longer this season. Doug Doug <laughs> Dougie Doug Doug. The only redeeming thing it's, of it's the Hangover. pretty true movies were what's that pretty song? true excuse you the tight the tiger in the car is fantastic when it freaks out on all of them yeah i've seen it i enjoy i i fondly remember that movie um but then lucy walks in to have carter co-sign some charts before she can leave and he is still sitting with emily holmes waiting for her to pass and as they're sitting there uh she goes into vtac to which lucy says vtac you shocked that right and Carter says, not this time. And she goes from VTAC to VFib to passing. And he mutes the monitors and turns everything off. And it's just such a beautiful moment between the two of them. Yeah, very Lucy Light episode Yeah, this time around. But she does get this very sweet moment. Yeah. And uh, from the nurse gen department, this is where <laughs> this is another part where she was like, that doesn't happen that fast like she's like she was like they definitely sped that up for the for the sake of television she's like it's totally fine moment no problem with it she's just like but it's just kind of a little bit of bullshit but not mad about it come on jen let us have something <laughs> i love i love nurse jen's salty takes we can't have the films we can't have the horses let us it's have just, something i took the films it's, from it's you. both it's simultaneously fascinating and a little bit exhausting watching an episode with her though, because there's so many things like that where she's pointing out where she'll be like, Oh, we don't do it like that anymore. They would never do that. Why are they doing that? Like Daniel, she's just running commentary. Daniel, just sit her down for a flash forward with me. Maybe that's what we need to do. Yeah. Just, just do that. There you go. Just the two of you can just have go it off out. and have fun. Yep. But uh, we go from there. We're kind of wrapping up the episode here. We uh, see Leg Girl's parents come to yell at Doug for talking to their daughter about other options. Uh, parents here, a little bit. I mean, understandably, uh, a little bit, you know, frantic, given the diagnosis that their daughter has received today. But also, too, I kind of have a little bit of sympathy for Doug here as well. Like, she is old enough where she should be involved in her own medical decisions. And this is something that she's going to have to live with one way or another. So I kind of get it. 
uh, Mark decides to uh, do an about face and tell Anspaugh that he can still be part of the committee for uh, the search committee for chief. So he's kind of uh, turning on, going back on what he said to Carrie earlier in the episode about bowing out. So we'll, it's seems to me like it's almost Amanda Lee o'clock. Seems to me like we're almost going to have her joining us here very soon. Oh yeah. Okay. That's what. That's where she. That's comes where in. she comes. Okay. In. Yeah. That'll be. That'll be with ah. us before we know it. Um, and then we go for the last scene of the episode, and arguably the most fascinating scene of the entire episode, which we will get into in just a moment. Uh, but Carter has Roxanne over to help him hook up all of his uh, brand new stereo equipment. Of course, he has a Bose. Only the best for rich boy Carter, especially now that he's. Uh, pulling a salary again him and benton him and benton yeah the both have brothers and bows uh we have quite possibly the most important philosophical question of not only this episode but perhaps the entire series to this point uh why is there a picture of just pizza on carter's bulletin board uh because it's not even like a no, menu. no it's not a menu and it's and it's tacked up so it's a little and i'm gonna post this in the group as well so you know, if you're in the Facebook group, you'll obviously be seeing this, but like, it's like a, a regular standard size sheet of paper and it's tacked up on the board with four thumbtacks, not the way that it would be as if there was a menu on the other side that you would be taking down and flipping over and ordering from a couple times a week. Like, it's just weird. Like, it looks like he has this weird devotion to pizza, which I mean, no shame. I, I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm a pizza fan myself, but I don't have any pictures of pizza just hanging up on my wall. He's just taking inspiration from The Simpsons, and he's slowly doing, like, the do-it-for-her <laughs> collage, but he's just going to do, do it, it pizza. Because he just loves pizza that much that that's the reason he puts up with all of this shit is just so he can have it's more It's so pizza. strange because, like, as I was watching it, I immediately noticed it, and I definitely thought I was going to be the only one to notice it, and I thought that I was going to annoy the shit out of both of you by bringing it up. And then when we came in uh, to do the notes and I came in to add all my stuff in um, to Lauren's notes, I was delighted to see that Lauren had not only noticed it but made note of it in the notes as well. You love to see it. Lauren knows what she's about. She knows. Uh, he then asks her to slow dance with him, and then there just conveniently happens to be a spotlight in his room on them when he turns the light off. You gotta love when the mood lighting cooperates. And that's how the episode ends. Fever, a little bit of a fever dream. Undoubtedly a weird episode. one. Undoubtedly a weird one, but yeah. nowhere near as bad as Jake Terrell Esquire would have us believe. Because when he binged, yeah, exactly. and he'll be in the uh, episode or in the listener responses here, but when he binged season five right after the season four wrap up, uh, he led us to believe that this was the worst episode of not only this show, but maybe any show ever. Uh, and it's not. It's perfectly And benign. see, me as someone who is... Been, who was who has binged through all of Grey's Anatomy at least once? This was positively tame. <laughs> like, this wouldn't even move. This would not move the needle on Grey's Anatomy at all for absurdity. Yeah, the only weird thing to me was that how little they acknowledged the bomb going off, the literal mm-hmm. bomb yeah. going off in the ER. That, that's essentially played for like it's played for laughs and not not laughs in the same way the horse thing is played for laughs, but it is a little bit of like the wackety schmackety variety. You know, like it's just kind of. A, th- a wacky thing that happens and nothing really comes of it. And at least when they do that on Grey's, it's like a whole two-part episode. Yeah. And <laughs> There's weight to it. And it literally kills Kyle Chandler. So, which means that's the worst bomb. <laughs> so, yeah. I would I would say a solid C-plus episode. 
I'd, yeah, I'd say solid B minus C plus. That sounds about right. Yep, agreed. What the listeners have to say about it, though, Lauren? Um, Carly M says, speaking from experience with hearing aids, it's pricey. I think with mine, it's four thousand dollars for two. That now I think was slightly less than during the time season five of the show was airing. I didn't like Roxanne. It felt like to me that was the start of all the wrong ladies till later seasons. The look Lucy and Carter gave to that woman that was asking if her neighbor is alive and waiting and waiting list on the apartment. Um, I wish someone would talk about the horse and getting the trailer into the set. They treat horses here, don't they? And Mullet Man appears, name unknown. Oh forever. yeah, which we, I don't think we've ever talked about Mullet Man on the show before. Now we have not yet. Yeah, he's one of the background nurses that once you see him, you will never stop unseeing him. Um, he's almost always in every trauma. Uh, he's got like a a full mullet and like a uh, kind of a handlebar mustache almost. I know exactly who you're talking about because I've seen it on the ER yeah. group. Yeah, and unlike a lot of the other um, background nurse or background actors who through social media or through Carly's work on the ER fan page tribute on Instagram, we've um, been able to put names to those faces with a lot of those people. Um, and much like with this guy, once you, once you know who they are and you, you'll see them in the background of most every episode and you'll see them doing different things. Like sometimes they're a nurse, sometimes they're a doctor, sometimes they're a firefighter. Like they're just kind of in the background all the time. Um, but this guy appears to be a complete mystery. And, uh, I know Carly has asked multiple different people, including I think Ellen Crawford um, for a name for this guy. And no (laughs) one can remember his name. No one knows. Like he's not on IMDb that anybody can find. Like he's, he seems to be one of the biggest like mystery men in all of ER lore. Is he just, is, is he a TV cryptid? I don't know. It's weird. It's really strange, but it's like one of the, it's, it's one of the biggest unanswered questions I think of ER is who is the mullet man? Uh, Franner W says, I got annoyed at Peter watching this time around. He claims to be reluctant to tell Elizabeth about Reese's hearing issues as it's private, and he doesn't want to answer a ton of questions for her and everyone else, whereas I think he is actually ashamed and feels he will be judged. I felt exasperated watching this and wanted to give him a shake and tell him to grow up. Amen. Oh, God, here we go. Okay, Jake Terrell Esquire, friend of the show, who was wrong in a giant man baby. (laughs) Love nearly... Editorializing on my Love nearly every... Yep. Love nearly every moment of this season, but this is the worst episode of the show so far. Hear me out. We have plot lines straight out of Grey's Anatomy with the Benton removing a bomb strapped to a man that blows up in the ER. We have Jerry getting shotgun blasted with horse shit. Why are there horses in this show at all? Carrie writes a scathing dissertation performance review about Douglas, which is basically a giant middle finger with an embroidered fuck you, Doug, on it. And this just feels like an episode of some other terrible soapy show. We are one hidden grenade in a guy's kneecap away from being in the Shondaverse. Okay. I think Grey's Anatomy has colored Jake's expectations the other way. Whereas I thought this was sort of a ho-hum, harmless, weird episode. Yeah, I've watched all of House. He took it the to the extru- the other extreme. Grey's Anatomy has definitely colored his assessment of this. Also, we should point out important context for anyone hearing this. Horses have also colored his assessment of this because if there's one thing that my best friend in the entire world hates more than anything, it's horses. I don't know why. What about birds? Well, yeah, yeah bir- bir- birds. birds and horses are like neck and neck. And golden retrievers. Yeah, well, that one's justified. But, but birds and... It's his holy trinity. Birds and horses are definitely the most unjustified aspects of his uh, unholy trinity and um 
Yeah, I think that definitely colors his assessment of this episode. If it were anything other than horses, I don't think he would have the same sort of uh, obsession with this episode. Angela G says, annoying Rachel is annoying. Give me ecstasy, ec- give me ecstasy taking teen rebel Rachel already. I think that's going to be an unpopular opinion, <laughs> but go for it. Uh, yeah, at Mar- least it makes it for a more interesting storytelling than, oh my Save God, mom, did you hear about the yellow Yeah, that's sweater? the thing. They, they never really uh, do anything with Rachel one. You know, it's, it's not really until she's yeah. a teenager and taking ecstasy that she even gets anything to do. Mary L says, love Jerry's role in assisting in the treatment of the horse colic. His facial expressions and reactions are classic. And at Bazinga Esquire, I'm trying to think the best way to do that. At Bazinga Esquire. ESQ, or, you know, yeah, I know it's Esquire. I, th- I think that's how it's I'm supposed to, to get be the read. actual username. Yeah, okay. At Bazinga Esquire, please tell us how you want your name read on future <laughs> things, because I keep messing it up. Although the horse storyline wasn't plausible, it was entertaining, especially the parts involving our man Jerry. It also made Mark infinitely more likable than he has been in some time. It's like he and Carter switched personalities this season. Very very good point. And that's unfortunately all too true. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Extra favorite desk clerk, <laughs> Jerry, right. now. Uh, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. over two, And over 20 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. A bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and the world in that moment. Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. And flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Setting the Tone Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, as we have alluded to throughout this episode, be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That's Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter, ranting about whatever of the eight shows I happen to be watching at that moment, at lowbob92345. And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at Random Gamer. That's JM3R, as well as on the Pop of the Court's YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. New episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.